Morning Africa. Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I'm James Barty in Washington. Today is Monday, September 5th, and here are some of the stories we are covering. Kenya's Supreme Court is set to rule on presidential election petition today, Monday. We will respect the decision of the judiciary because we are a country based on the rule of law and respect for all the institutions. Angola's military on highest alert as Constitutional Court prepares to rule on opposition election petition today, Monday. UN Relief Chief visits Somalia's drought epicenter. Guinea's military junta marks one year anniversary today, Monday, but civil society says the junta has failed the people. This is not something we have to celebrate. That's why even this plan, the protest today, when you look, all these promises, you will see they don't end up doing nothing. And Malawi's government struggles to probe workers' abuse in Oman. Those stories plus some Omali sports are coming up on Daybreak Africa. The Supreme Court of Kenya is today Monday expected to rule on a petition challenging the results of the presidential election. The petition is challenging the win of President-elect William Ruto, who has since said he will respect the court's decision. At the same time, the Kenya Police Service has begun preparing to handle any disturbances following the Supreme Court verdict. Maureen Ojiambo reports from Nairobi. Today, all eyes are on the Supreme Court of Kenya as it is expected to declare a ruling on the presidential election. Last week, legal teams representing William Ruto, Raila Odinga and the electoral body defended their clients and the judges held the whole weekend to retreat and deliver verdict today. Among the issues that will be considered when making the ruling is the dispute among members of the Independent Electoral and Boundaries Commission, IEBC, that split the board a few hours before declaration of the presidential results. Martha Kome is the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of Kenya. You can see what we want to understand is this disconnect arising from IBC. Because when we look at Article 88, the role of IBC is to supervise and conduct elections. Why the chairman deemed it fit to allocate commissioners, uh, I think what has been described as domestic chores, leaving the core business of IBC to the CEO to supervise. Main petitioner, former Prime Minister Elodinga, argued in court that there was massive vote rigging. He said there were irregularities in the numbers entered at the polling stations and those transmitted electronically to the National Telling Center in Nairobi. Odinga has also claimed that some foreigners, including Venezuelan nationals, who were arrested by the police a week to the election, were also allowed to access the Electoral Commission system to manipulate results in favor of Ruto. He, however, says he'll respect the court ruling today. I believe that our judges are people who are learned, qualified, and are fair. Therefore, I believe that they will deliver a just ruling. And therefore, I don't want to... To preempt the ruling. The legal team representing the president-elect and the electoral commission defended the IEBC and asked the court to uphold the results, terming some of the allegations in the petition fiction. Ruto says any decision by the judiciary will be respected. Because we respect the law, we respect institutions that are set up by the law. We will respect the decision 
of the judiciary because we are a country based on the rule of law and respect for all the institutions. That is the only way we will remain democratic. That's the only way we will remain a constitutional country. And that is the only way the citizens of the Republic of Kenya will be equal. In anticipation of how the public will react to the court ruling, security officers have been moved across the country to maintain peace. Kenya's Deputy Inspector General of Police Edward Mugwa has directed regional commanders to deploy their officers in hotspots. In the event, a majority of the judges dismiss the opposition leaders' complaints and uphold the results declared by the electoral body. Kenyans will have a new president sworn in on September 13th to take over from President Uhuru Kenyatta. And if Ruto's victory will be nullified and a new election is ordered, Kenyans will have to wait until November for a new president to take office. Reporting for VOS Daybreak Africa, I am Maureen Ujiambo in Nairobi, Kenya. Angola's constitutional court is suspected to rule today Monday on the petition by main opposition National Union for the Total Independence of Angola, UNITA, led by Adalberto Costa Jr., to annul the results of the country's August 24 parliamentary and presidential election. The Elections Commission announced Friday that President Joao Lorenzo and his ruling Popular Movement for the Liberation of Angola, MPLA, won with 51.17%, while Costa Junior won 44%. Florindo Chivukute is the executive director of Friends of Angola. He tells me the Angola military has been put on combat readiness, its highest level of preparedness, from September 4th to September 20th in anticipation of protest. I think it's fair to say that many Angolans are skeptical about the Supreme Court decision to the annulment of the election result submitted by UNITA and the CASASE. What are the chances that the Supreme Court would overturn the decision of the Elections Commission? I guess what I'm asking is uh, how independent are the courts in Angola? The Constitutional Court in Angola is not an independent body. And many Angolans believe that it depends highly on executive power because the president of the Constitutional Court is someone who is all part of the ruling party, MPLA, in Angola, Miss Laurinda Montero Cardozo, and that actually became a huge issue when she was appointed to lead the Constitutional Court because many saw her as someone who couldn't be trustworthy because of her role within the MPLA. And that's why people are in general skeptical that it's highly unlikely that they're going to rule against MPLA because she's also part of her party. So we don't see how she could rule against against her on the party, but we still yet to see what would be the final decision. What can you tell us about the Angola military raising their preparedness to combat readiness? What exactly does that mean? The statement issued by the army and putting troops on a high alert from September 4th throughout September 20, on eve of the constitutional court decision about UNITA's request to the annulment of the recent elections result, is something that many are speculating. And one of the theories 
is that perhaps they already know what the constitutional court decision will be. And so the Angolan government is rally the army and the police to stand by if anyone will uh, get out to protest after the, the constitutional court issue its final ruling, which many believe probably favoring the ruling party in Pelé. Are there any protests, say, from a civil society or the political parties ahead of this decision? There are some protesting scheduled by civil society, but no from the opposition, including UNITA. I think what the Angolan regime is doing, they probably know really what the decision will be, and they know that as many individuals from civil society stated that we will get out and protest if we believe that someone or a political party want to subvert Angolan's wish. I think they also are reading what UNITA's president, Mr. Alberto Costa Jr., have said that he will stand up for those who have voted on UNITA. And probably they also understand that after the Supreme Court issue its final decision, which is basically the last option that UNITA will have, and not just UNITA, but also any political party and opposition who have not recognized the National Electoral Commission results, then what is left really is probably mobilizing a rally in thousands to the street to demand a fair, transparent elections. So I think that's basically how the government is reading is trying to smear fear among Angolan population. Florindo Chivukute is the executive director of Friends of Angola. He was speaking with us from the Angolan capital, Luanda. Guinea's military junta, led by Colonel Mamandi Dumbuya, is marking its first year in power today, Monday. Colonel Dumbuya told Guineans on September 5th last year that he overthrew President Alpha Conde's government because of its rampant corruption, poor human rights record, and mismanagement of the economy. The junta has been engaged in a back and forth with the Economic Community of West African States ECOWAS for a transitional timetable to elections and civilian rule. Alpha Fria Bari is the founding member of the National Front for the Defense of the Constitution, FNDC. The junta has banned FNDC for organizing what it calls armed demonstrations and jeopardizing national unity. Fria Bari tells me the FNDC will mark the day with protest because the junta has failed to deliver on its promises. For me and for the majority of the Guinean people across the world, this is not something we have to celebrate. That's why even we plan a protest today. When you look the communication that the military held on September 5th, 2021, all these promises, you will see they don't end up doing nothing. They promise the Guinean people to change the behavior of the government and the presidency. They promise to love Guinea and the Guinean people, not to kill them. They promise to respect the value of democracy. Nowadays, there is no protest. You know about the dissolution of the FNDC. That's what I want to ask you, because you are planning a protest on the first anniversary of uh, the military coming to power, but the FNDC is banned. In fact, during the recent meeting of the ECOWAS mediator, some Guineans were calling on you to consider dialogue instead of demonstrating. 
we are the ones who ask for dialogue, but that dialogue is not on table. We are the ones who ask for the immediate to come. He came in Guinea, and the authority did not allow him to meet with the FNDC. And there is nothing showing that they want to dialogue with all the Guinea. There is no dialogue. How are you going to demonstrate when you are banned? Isn't that a possibility for confrontation with the military junta? We don't think about the confrontation. All we're doing is to let the whole world realize these military, they are dangerous for democracy, they are dangerous for West Africa, they are dangerous for the whole world. Let me ask you, one of the issues debated or discussed during the recent visit of the mediator to Guinea was the issue of the transitional timetable. It seems to me that the military continues to say that it wants a three-year transitional timetable, even though ECOWAS wants two years. What does the FNDC want? First, we need the military to let us know when the transition will start, when it will end. Secondly, we ask the military to release all those people that were kidnapped by them. First, the head of the FNDC, whose name is Umar Silakunikemange, and you have uh, Ibrahim Jallo, and you have uh, Sekuyaya Bari. Those people were kidnapped and put in jail. We asked the military to release them. The third thing is to let the people know who is killing the Guinean people. Now, let me come back to your question about the date. There is no date. They even talk about three years. Well, listen, Mr. James, these three years, there is no beginning, no ending. They is not going to let you know when these three years will start. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, sir, Mr. James. Alpha Friabari is a founding member of the National Front for the Defense of the Constitution, FNDC, of Guinea. He was speaking with us from New York State. Listening to Daybreak Africa on the Voice of America. I'm James Butte in Washington. Today is Monday, September 5th. Still to come on our program, Samson O'Malley Sports. United Nations Relief Chief Mountain Griffiths has visited Somalia's southwest state, the epic center of the country's severe drought. That drought has already displaced more than one million people. Mohamed Dyson reports from Mogadishu. In his first visit to Somalia, the most drought-affected country in the Horn of Africa, UN Relief Chief Martin Griffiths said the country needs global support to cope the worst drought in 40 years. In a news conference in Baidoa, the epic center of the drought, after he met with Southwest State President Abdaziz Hassan Mohamed Laftegrand, Griffiths said it is almost unimaginable that Baidoa is sheltering 750,000 displaced people. Somalia's drought, which devastated 90% of the country, has already displaced more than 1 million people, and 7.8 million others need humanitarian assistance. The UN relief chief commended the local community in Baidoa for their efforts to help the displaced. We fear that the worst may yet to come. 
we fear that we will see exponentially increasing need here. We fear globally that Baidoa and this Southwest state is going to need the charity and generosity and priority of the world because of the scale of suffering that we anticipate will come here. In a brief statement, Griffith posted on Twitter after the visit, he said that he saw babies too weak to carry and mothers who are still children themselves. The silence of the international community is deafening, he wrote. For his part, Southwest State President Laftergren welcomed the visit by the UN delegation. He says they discussed the current issues, such as the drought relief efforts and the way that the drought affected people can be supported. They also spoke of ways to provide emergency relief in Southwest State. The UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Efforts, Somalia Office, said Saturday that food prices have sparked in the country and hunger is rising. It said for the first time since 2017, catastrophic levels of food insecurity have been confirmed with 213,000 people in famine-like conditions. UNICEF earlier told VOA that drought-related malnutrition has already killed 500 children in Somalia. Somalia last year declared the three-year drought a national emergency. According to the Prime Minister's office, the drought has already killed more than 2 million livestock and affected 28% of the country's total livestock population. Mohamed Raisane for VOA News, Mogadishu, Somalia. Malawi officials say they have arrested two police officers, a medical worker, and a Burundian refugee for human trafficking to Oman. Malawi officials said Friday they have been trying to investigate alleged abuses of Malawians trafficked to the Middle Eastern nation, but Omani officials have refused their visas. Lamek Masina reports from Blantyre. The arrests are part of the crackdown of people operating unregistered job recruitment agencies who are trafficking Malawians to countries like Qatar, Saudi Arabia and Oman under the pretext of finding them jobs. Minister of Homeland Security in Malawi, Gene Sendeza, told a news conference Friday that two police officers were arrested Thursday for granting trafficked persons clearance to travel to Oman through Gamuzu International Airport. She said a medical officer working at a public hospital was also arrested for providing a health certificate for the trafficked persons, clearing them of any disease. While a refugee from Burundi was conniving with other people in human trafficking, police say the suspects will appear in court soon on charges of human trafficking. We've got, you know, a lot of cases in uh, our courts. As of now, we have got uh, seven cases that have been concluded, and uh, 71 of them are still active. Many Malawians have recently been trafficked to countries such as Oman, Qatar, and the United Arab Emirates for so-called employment opportunities. 
However, many of them complain that their employers are sexually, physically, and emotionally abusing them. For example, in a Facebook post that went viral last week, a Malawian woman working in Oman alleged that she suffered human rights abuses such as rape, torture, and poor pay. She compared her situation in Oman to that of slavery. Vera Kantukule is Malawi's labor minister. She says her office has received 40 complaints about abuse from Malawians trapped in Oman. But Kantukule says Malawi government's efforts to investigate the allegations in Oman are facing challenges. We are unable to assist them because we are being denied entry into Oman. That's the first thing. The second thing is that we don't have any bilateral uh, agreements or international agreements with that country. So we are using our embassy in Kuwait and uh, they've also been facing a few challenges to break through to investigate about these issues. There has been no comment from authorities in Oman on the matter. Kantukule said the Malawi government has intensified its crackdown on people who are operating illegal job recruitment agencies. She gave an example of her personal effort to stop such activities. Accompanied by a non-uniformed police officer, she went undercover, posing as a prospective employee at a suspected illegal job recruitment office in the capital, Lilongwe. The undercover operation resulted in a number of arrests. Lamek Masina for VOA News. Blanta, Malawi. It's time now for Daybreak Africa Sports. And here is something Omale in Abuja, Nigeria. A very good Monday morning to you, something. Good Monday morning to you too, James. We begin the sports with the World Athletics Continental Tour Silver Level Series. World record holder Nigeria's Toby Amuson dominated the women's 100 meters hurdles at the Easter of 2022 Berlin meeting on Sunday, winning in a time of 12.45 seconds. The meet is part of the World Athletics Continental Tour Silver Level Series. Amuson entered Sunday's race on the back of a second place performance at the 2022 Luzen Diamond League meeting last month, but said she was confident of bouncing back at Olympic Stadium this weekend. And now to the Regional Council of Southern Africa Football Association's Women's Cup, where striker Barbara Banda scored five goals as Zambia cruised into the semi-finals of the 2022 Kosafa Women's Championship thanks to a resounding 7-0 victory over Lesotho at the Madiba Stadium in Nelson Mandela Bay on Sunday. Banda was lethal in front of goal as she took her tally in the tournament to seven in just two games to head the scorer's charts. In other matches played, Yvonne Koba scored a brace for Namibia as they beat Eswatini 5-1. Namibia captain Zanatha Coleman speaks of her team's victory against Eswatini. We, we started off very well and I think we just needed to come back you know, stronger and we needed to win this, ma- this match for, uh, for ourselves and for our country. Uh, we created more chances in the uh, in the first game also, but we didn't put it away. So we needed to come in into this match to score more goals, and I think we did well. The action continues on Monday with the second round of games in Group C. As defending champions Tanzania look to make it back-to-back wins when they meet Botswana at the Madiba Stadium. That game will be preceded by a clash between Malawi and Comoros, who both need to win to stay in contention of a semi-final place. 
And now to rugby news. South African national rugby team, the Springboks, have finally claimed their first test win over the Wallabies of Australia since 2013. After the disappointment of their loss in Adelaide last weekend, the Springboks came out guns blazing to register their 24-8 win over Australia at the Alliance Stadium in Sydney. This bonus point win refreshes their rugby championship hopes and has also snapped a two-match test losing streak that was starting to pile pressure on coach Jack Ninamba. Sia Kulisi is the captain of the side. It was a tough week last week, um, but I'm grateful for the way the boys stood up. And yeah, from grateful for the support from people back at home. You know, it was you know they, they took it really hard, so did we. Um, yeah, but um, I'm so proud of the way that we stood up as a group. We knew what we had to do. And that's it on Daybreak Africa Sports. I am Samson Omale in Abuja, Nigeria. It's back to you, James, in Washington. Thank you, Samson. Have a good Monday. And that's it for this Monday, September 5th edition of Daybreak Africa. I'm James Barty in Washington.